They say he's the Donald Trump of South America. Do you believe? And he's happy with that. If he wasn't, I wouldn't like the country so much. Comparisons to Donald Trump are usually not meant to be flattering, but the Brazilian president doesn't take offense when people call him the Trump of the tropics. In fact, Jair Bolsonaro actually takes pride in it. And he has earned the nickname. Probably no other world leader has emulated the American president as much as he did. From inflammatory statements on social issues to angry tweets, make Brazil great again baseball caps, and even a passing interest in golden showers. After winning the election, Bolsonaro said his priority when it comes to foreign policy was to strengthen ties with the US, and he wasn't kidding. For his first official visit to a foreign country, Bolsonaro chose Washington as his destination, breaking with the Brazilian tradition of starting off by visiting Argentina, just across the southern border. On the top of the agenda is Venezuela, a country rich in oil which is undergoing the worst humanitarian crisis in the Western Hemisphere, and China, the Trump's foe which has managed to become more and more influential in Latin America. Will Bolsonaro, or, most importantly, will Brazil come out stronger from the meeting? My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report, This is Explaining Brazil. Sempre fui um grande admirador dos Estados Unidos. Brazil's relationship with the United States because of our friendship is uh, probably better than it's ever been by far. E essa admiração aumentou com a chegada de Vossa Excelência na presidência. I think that it was the first time that we could see this bromance between Bolsonaro and Trump being played so explicitly. Maurício Santoro is a foreign relations professor at the State University of Rio de Janeiro. Uh, Bolsonaro is an admirer of Trump for a long time, and uh, we could see that in this trip he was making his dream come true. He was meeting his big idol, his big role model. Can Bolsonaro place this visit in the win column? I think that in general it was a good visit for him. It was the beginning of a long process of dialogue and negotiation with the United States. And although he doesn't have by now much to offer to Brazilians, uh, Bolsonaro showed that he could establish this dialogue with Trump And of course, that for him personally, it was very important because it's the first moment where he's being received by a foreign chief of state and by the United States, nonetheless. And uh, it's very, something very different from his experience as a backbencher during 30 years in Congress. But of course, there were many controversial moments during the trip especially the statements of Bolsonaro and of his son, Eduardo, about migration. Eduardo called Brazilian immigrants, Brazilian illegal immigrants, a shame for the country. 
Exactly, and uh, it was a serious mistake for them. One of the obligations of any government of any state is to protect its citizens, including, of course, its citizens living abroad. One of Bolsonaro's controversial actions was visiting the CIA on Monday, an agency that helped sponsor Latin America's most ruthless dictatorships, including Brazil's. In terms of symbolism, what does that say? A Brazilian president really doesn't have any legitimate business going around talking to foreign spies unless there is something very specific being negotiated in terms of uh, cooperation of intelligence, of international security and so on. And it's worth to remember that a few years ago, there was a major espionage scandal involving the NSA and the Brazilian government. The NSA was spying on the Brazilian government, including the personal communications of the then Brazilian president Dilma Rousseff. So it's still an open scar. It's still something very complicated for the relationship between both countries. And the visit to the CIA was even worse because it was not part of the official schedule. And we don't know exactly what Bolsonaro discussed with the CIA. His team told the, the journalists that it was a, a merely personal visit, but I believe that they discussed something concerning Venezuela, because it's the most important uh, international security deal going on between Brazil and the United States right now. When we talk about Venezuela, Donald Trump said that all options are on the table. What Brazil has to gain and uh, what Brazil has to lose by following, blindly following the United States on this issue? Well, there are some divisions inside the government about how to deal with Venezuela. And basically, the armed forces are against any kind of military intervention in South America, including letting the United States use the Brazilian territory as a basis of supply of operations in Venezuela or in other countries. But the president is much more enthusiastic about this possibility. I don't think that he will prevail over the military, but we can see the tensions going on. And it was interesting to notice when Trump and Bolsonaro were uh, discussing that with the press today, that Trump said that all options are uh, under discussion and Bolsonaro didn't contradict him. Yeah, Bolsonaro even told a reporter that uh, they discussed something about Venezuela, but that he wouldn't comment because that was strategic information. And the minute he would share that with the press, it wouldn't be strategic anymore. Yes, Bolsonaro basically told the journalist that, okay, it was it is a secret I'm not going to share with you. And this is a problem because Brazil needs to debate, of course, in a very open and public way, what are the options to deal with the Venezuela crisis? And we can see the difference inside government. We can see how it's an issue that splits the Brazilian population. There is strong opposition to any kind of intervention in Venezuela. And it's not good to see this kind of behavior from the president. And so far, no one really knows what are the next steps to put pressure on the Maduro administration. Perhaps a new round of sanctions, because the current ones are not really working. And Brazil is betting on the possibility of a bigger dialogue between the Brazilian armed forces and the Venezuelan armed forces in the hope that they could help Maduro to accept new elections or for him to step down of power. But then again, it's something very difficult. We are not going to see a solution overnight.
Another hot-button issue within the administration regards China. I mean, for months, Bolsonaro bashed Beijing, despite the Chinese being Brazil's top trading partner, but other sectors in the administration have been more prudent. You've recently been to China, and you dedicate a lot of your time to studying Brazil's relationship with them. How do you think Brazil is looking like in the eyes of Beijing? Well, when I was in China, it was already after the election of Bolsonaro, and I talked a lot with Chinese officials and with uh, the Chinese private sector about the new president. And uh, they are not really very concerned. They understand that Bolsonaro doesn't like China, and they think that some problems may happen in the short term. But they believe that in a few months, the economic ties that China has with Brazil are so big, so strong, that Bolsonaro will have a more pragmatic approach to the relations with Beijing. And I think that something like that is already happening. Bolsonaro is trying to moderate his discourse about China. And there are other people in government, such as Vice President uh, General Mourão, or the, the Ministry of Agriculture, Teresa Cristina, who are much more sympathetic to China because they understand how trade, investment, and the, the, the basic uh, economic importance of China is to Brazil. Bolsonaro and Donald Trump, they have many traits in common, one of them being what they say is not necessarily what they will do. So there were some promises like uh, the U.S. backing Brazil's bid to be part of the OECD, and uh, the fact that they would transform Brazil into a major non-NATO ally. Can we separate what is pure rhetoric, what is actual cooperation? Well, in the case of the status of non-NATO ally, I think it's something that we are going to see in a few months at most, because it depends just on the decision of the American government. It's more complicated with the OECD membership, because it's an international organization, so the, the positions of the Europeans and of other countries are very important. But it was a good signal for Brazil because the opposition of the United States was one of the major obstacles to the Brazilian uh, membership at the OECD. But it will take some time, so let's wait and see. Yeah, another point is, so Brazil decided to unilaterally uh, waive visa requirements for Americans, Canadians, Japanese and Australian tourists as a way to cozy up with the Americans. Donald Trump said he will study making some concessions in terms of visa requirements for Brazilian tourists, which has contradicted what his administration has done over the past two years, which is adding more bureaucracy and more hurdles for tourists coming from Brazil. Um, do you think that what he said uh, is going to become actual policy? I am very skeptical about the promise that Trump made about visa because, as you said, it's something that goes in direct contradiction to what he has been doing. And the decision of the Brazilian government to eliminate these visa requirements was taken, well, with the excuse that it was something that it would help Brazil to boost foreign tourism. I am also very skeptical about that. Because the problem that Brazil faces regarding international visitors are not really about visa. They are much more about the big social problems of Brazil, such as violence, low-quality infrastructure, the absence of qualified personnel in hotels, restaurants, in the service 
uh, industry. So all, all these problems are very complicated and they are not going to disappear overnight. So I believe that Brazil took this decision regarding the visa much more as a gesture of goodwill toward the United States and other countries and to give to give the signal that uh, we're dealing with another government, another administration and things have changed. Did you know that Brazil is the country with the second highest number of ransomware attacks in the world? That's when hackers try to steal your data and then ask for a ransom for their return. Perhaps the good people of FastHelp can help you avoid these unwelcome attacks. FastHelp is a Brasilia-based IT company that is focused on cybersecurity. Protect your business by teaming up with FastHelp. Go to fasthelp.com.br for more information on how to protect your company's virtual space. After all, it is fair to say that today, Brazil does have a president who is not anti-American, which is really unprecedented. Brazil-U.S. relations are always something complex. Celso Amorim served as Brazil's foreign minister between 1993 and 1995, and then between 2003 and 2010. The relations have moved rather smoothly with differences, with differences. Uh, for instance, in the case of Lula, there was, of course, strong criticism to the unilateral use of force by the U.S. in the case of Iraq. But in spite of all these differences, and it's a total misrepresentation to say that uh, our relations are not uh, not running well. But even if both countries have enjoyed some good relations, Brazil has tried under different administrations to preserve its independence in terms of foreign policy. That seems to have changed. What does this shift mean for Brazil as a global player? It has happened before to some extent. Uh, in the beginning of the military government uh, of the dictatorship just after the coup d'etat of 64, when uh, uh, the official doctrine was one of um, ideological frontiers, ideological borders, better said, ideological borders. But in, even then, in a way, it was not only the U.S., it, uh, it was the West in general, which included Europe, and it didn't last long. Because already when we had the second, uh, I'm not defending him, by the way, because there are other things that were not good. But when we had the second president already in the military government, we didn't comply with the U.S. desire, for instance, that Brazil should sign the uh, non-proliferation treaty of nuclear, nuclear weapons. So uh, this policy of total alignment only happened for these two years. Uh, if you take even during the military government, uh, President uh, Geisel, who was a general, he chaired, let us to say, the, 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 the Western values against the communists and so on. But uh, he, he, not only he had independent policies in relations to Angola, to China, to, to Palestine, but also uh, when the United States started putting too much pressure on our nuclear program, he even uh, got away from the from the military uh, agreement that we have. So uh, 
total alignment is detrimental not only for Brazil, but even for the United States, because if you have total alignment, uh, you don't have uh, you don't get the confidence from other other partners uh, in the in the WTO negotiations. Brazil, I would not say that we were, let us say, the intermediaries because we had our own interests, of course. But I think in several occasions we helped to clear the dialogue between the U.S. and the European Union, between the U.S. and India, I think, and our other developing countries, and vice versa. The other countries also help. But that can only happen when we are speaking about countries that are, uh, of course, everyone today in the, the world today is somehow interdependent, but with a country that has uh, an important degree of independence. It's been only two and a half months, but we seem to have a political struggle within the administration. I mean, the military wing, the more ideological officials and the ultra-liberal economists. Well, there is also, you didn't mention, but somehow it is part of the ideological wing, but sometimes it goes a little further, is the religious uh, wing. I mean, it, you mentioned correctly, these three wings are be adding this fourth one, and we could think of some other aspects, but anyway... They, they form a kind of uh, uh, strange coalition, you know. Uh, I mean, they coalesced into support of President Bolsonaro for different reasons. Uh, they have points of contact, maybe, to some extent, uh, but they, 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 are, they, they are not exactly the same thing. Whether that will be, uh, 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 as you say, a, 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 a fight, a struggle for power, I'm not sure yet or whether these, will, these different uh, sectors will be able to accommodate somehow. Uh, it's too early to say. You've served as defense minister too, working closely with the top brass of the military. How do they position themselves? The, the military didn't come with a, with a ready-made ideological recipe. Uh, it's not... They, they adhere to Bolsonaro, but they have even among themselves, may be different views. It's not like the, 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 uh, the ideology of anti-communism and Cold War that was uh, uh, present in 64. Probably most of the military are, uh, are of course, more center-right or whatever, but they tend to be more pragmatic, as, I, as, I, as we saw in Venezuela and as we saw in other episodes, including in relation to the Ministry of Education and some attitudes, uh, internal attitudes, they have been more moderate. But again, how much that will be a, a power struggle is early, or whether they'll be able to accommodate, it's early to say. During your stint as foreign minister, Brazil was against signing the deal that facilitates the launching of satellites equipped with American technology on Brazilian soil. Why is that? The kind of demands that the United States tend to make or used to make are unacceptable. And they even don't accept to put in reciprocity there, even if it's a theoretical reciprocity because Brazil will not launch rockets from the United States. But the fact that they refuse the reciprocity shows uh, how much these uh, uh, restrictions are unacceptable. And uh, so although I have not seen them, maybe the language is, is more disguised than it used to be in the version that was put forward in 2000 or 2001, but uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, there are many aspects in which our sovereignty will probably be affected. I have always seen 
as defense minister, as foreign minister, whenever we had a, an important negotiation with the United States on these issues, there will always come the phrase, very simple phrase, the U.S. does not support Brazil's space program or launcher program, and U.S. does not favor the nuclear uh, submarine program, in the case of the nuclear submarine, which I didn't mention, but I'm adding as something that will certainly be raised at a later stage. And of course, as you become more dependent in many respects from, from Washington, they will have leverage to change our policies. You're also against waiving visa requirement for certain countries without observing the principle of reciprocity. That's totally unacceptable. I mean, that breaks with the rule of reciprocity that has always been the basis of all diplomatic life. Even when you, even when you for instance, in tariff negotiations, if you want to liberalize, you try to extract something from, from your interlocutor. So this is something which is uh, 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 debasing, uh, 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 self-debasing uh, of, the, of the Brazilian people. It's something totally unacceptable. You may remember that uh, uh, in the beginning of the Lula's government, there was this episode of the fingerprint, and we applied precisely the same rule, and there was a scandal because there was an American who was coming to Foz de Guaçu, and he was not able to come in because he didn't want to allow his fingerprint to be to be taken. So we always acted on the basis of reciprocity. Even 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 in that way, we have problems. Of course, they, they don't disappear. And I think there is the illusion that that will make uh, that will increase tourism considerably. I, I don't think it's true. Once you abandon your self-esteem, your dignity, internationally, you lose power. This podcast was written and prepared by me, Gustavo Ribeiro. Maria Marta Bruno produced this show. And Ewan Marshall edits the final script. If you like this podcast, rate us on whatever platform you may be listening to Explaining Brazil. It takes only a second, but it is really important for us. And please take a look at our website. It's Brazilian.report. Every day we have new content about Brazilian politics, finance, and society. We've also got exclusive newsletter services if you want to be briefed about what's going on in Brazil before starting your day. Subscribe now to our free trial and enjoy all of our content for seven days. And it's really free. You don't have to submit any credit card information whatsoever. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at Brazilian Report. That's all for now. See you next week.